Welcome back to the Maluli Asset Podcast. This is your host, Casey Maluli, Brendan, Tom, and myself get into an interesting discussion based off an article that we found, which broke down how much a million dollars would last in retirement in 50 different cities around the United States. This is something that we hear quite frequently, where people want to move in retirement because the cost of living is less. So we break down some myths about that and We have some really good talking points in this week's episode, so we're just going to get right into it. We'll talk about, well, I want to relocate to a state where we have, you know, lesser income tax. I'm like, are you insane? That takes into no consideration anything about property taxes whatsoever. And property taxes are just going off the charts. Just think about a home that two years ago was worth $400,000 in New Jersey is now worth $700,000. What do you think the zoning inspectors in every town are doing? They're like licking their chops saying, oh, we can now go around and re-rate the entire neighborhood. Wait till you see the property tax bills then. What's going to happen to rents then? Biggest part of the CPI? Rent. What do you think is going to happen over the next couple of years as we see property taxes explode and then rents continue to move higher? You know, they're going to have to deal with these inflationary pieces in some other way. As one part of CPI is going up, something else is probably gonna drop, hopefully. Uh, but that's a real issue. And so these folks cars, said- Cars and gasoline. Sure. <laughs> right, and we're dealing now with noise from the eviction moratorium ending, so that's feeding into the CPI rate. So yeah, yeah, like it's- Yeah. So we have all of these things that are kind of all happening at the same time and I, I just That's how it works that's why it's tough to guess where it's gonna it go is. right you, you take one trend and you latch onto it and say well if this continues for the next decade we're gonna be in bad shape well you forgot about the other thing that's gonna cancel it out right. so yeah um, I, I just internally shake my head when we get sucked into these conversations with folks that say I want to move to a state that has a lower income tax and I'm like we're just like lower cost of living in general. I think more what people are getting at, especially when they're leaving the area that we're in and going to someplace else, I think they get this like wealth effect from, let's say, I'm assuming some things here, but like if they're a homeowner in this area, they're selling what they believe to be a nice, reasonable home and probably taking that someplace else and they could buy like a mansion for that amount of money. That that doesn't actually speak to like what they're month to month cost of living is going to be in that new place. It just makes them feel richer because they took the same pile of money and got a nicer house for it. So it doesn't mean that like groceries are going to be cheaper there or that like the property property taxes are necessarily going to be lower or all of the things that they're going to have to pay on a month to month basis. I think there's just some wealth effect there of like, especially with homes that the dollars go further in a different location, but that's just a one time. That's like a one time purchase that you're doing. I don't know how much that should factor into the decision. Like you, you also need to want to be in that place. Yeah, I think I mean, the thing that a lot of those types of articles where it's like, oh, you should move to Florida because you won't, you'll pay way less in taxes. The thing that those articles don't take into account is, and I think we did a video about this back over the summer where it was, what it costs to move, what it costs in terms of like an intangible thing to your family. You have kids, good luck. A lot of these articles are geared towards people in retirement that are, you know, probably empty nesters now. Their kids are 
either grown with kids of their own or, or out of the house. And so we started talking about this because we came across an article that asked how long would a million dollars last in retirement? And it looked at 50 different cities across the United States. So it was uh, Wall Street Journal. Um, I saw it on Visual Capitalist. Okay. It might have been on Wall Street Journal first. So just broadly across the different regions of the United States, $1 million in retirement. And it didn't assume any growth in the million dollars. And it also assumed a constant rate of expenses, which we know here by um, building financial plans, not really realistic. Unrealistic. It's probably the way to do this best um, apples, apples yeah. to apples, though. So it just takes the average cost of living in that city right now, divides it by the million dollars, and tells you how many years it's going to last. So no return on the investment, and expenses stay the same. Yeah. So where do you guys, I don't know if you know, but where do you think the best city would be to live? Hilton Head, South Carolina. Good answer. <laughs> Brent? Scottsdale. Memphis, Tennessee. Hmm. $1 million would last you about 45 years there. What do you think the worst place, the worst city to live in would be? New York. New York is towards the bottom. LA. San Francisco. Right. 8.3 years. Wow. Yeah. A million dollars only lasts eight years. Right. That's outrageous. That is crazy. San Francisco, eight years is 19 years sooner than the average city on the list. It assumed a constant for social security and then assumed an average rate of spend based on the cost of living index over that. So social security works out average in 2021 was about $1,500 a month, which works out to about $18,000 per year. That can be another component of uh of like wealth effect of relocation because if you work your entire career in a higher cost of living place like where we live um your your monthly benefit on social security is probably gonna be a lot higher than that like we have clients who get double that in social security and uh you take that and pick up and move they don't adjust it for memphis tennessee so then you're you're just the rich person who's there uh because you earned higher wages than somebody doing the same job living in memphis tennessee probably would have earned for their entire working career so yeah i think to your point basically said another way is if you worked somewhere like in new york and then retired to memphis probably be in pretty good shape because Mm -hmm. you bring that new york income with you Mm -hmm. and the social security benefits along with you but if you had worked and lived your entire career in Memphis, you know, uh, it kind of depends on what you did for work uh, through your career. All else equal, I would assume that you probably made less money than the person doing the same job did in New York. Right. So just to to put some some numbers behind that, if you... Wait a second. Memphis Grizzly player make the same as, like, (laughs) someone on the Nets? Probably not. Or the Knicks? (laughs) Probably not. But they probably have a bigger house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they probably have more property. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So annual expenses, this is including Social Security. In This is actually in Memphis, Tennessee. For this, they assume an annual expenditure of around $40,000 a year. So just a, almost 3500 a month. Right. Now in New York, the spending rate is about $95,000 per year. Mm which again lasts you about 13 years. 
think just like in practice though, I mean, it's, it's a cool exercise to do this, to say in general, here's where it costs less to live versus more. We're, we're in a high cost of living area and we see people, I mean, you just threw out that number. It's like on top of social security, you need another $95,000 per year to live in New York city. Yeah. We have clients who spend more than that in retirement per year and clients who have less than that in retirement per year. And that's only part of the equation because we, again, have to take that and then consider their asset base. So you could have somebody with a small asset base and lower than average cost of living that, you know, they could they could spend like the person in Memphis, Tennessee does. And so the million dollars does just fine. Right. It's, I don't think I don't think geography is destiny in in this scenario i guess it's like you're the odds are that you're going to spend a little more based on the location however like i wouldn't use that as as a way to just say like ah screw it like it's it's out of my hands because it isn't out of your hands you do have control over um how you spend your money regardless of which city you live in like that's not that's not the be all end all i think that raises a, a another interesting point and i hope i'm not hijacking uh the podcast but I think it's fair to say that people who are thrifty during their working careers usually stay thrifty in their retirement years. Even when we tell them, you can spend a little money. They, they It's just not in their nature mm-hmm. to do that. Uh, sadly, on the flip side, we get some people who just, no matter what their income is, they always spend $5 more than what they're bringing in. It's tough to do the retirement equation at any point for that person, even if they have a large asset base, because more or less you become addicted to the income because the income is the enabler in that scenario. Meaning if you earn a lot of money, then sure, you can spend a lot of money, but you've got to consider the point in time when that when that ends and what kind of an adjustment there's going to be unless I mean, if you because if you've been spending that way all along, then uh, I mean, you imagine the savings rate has been somewhat lackluster as a result. So you might have you know, uh, a big bottom line number or so it seems, but when considered in the context of uh, the, you know, current annual spend rate, uh, it may not be enough. Especially in retirement. I mean, retirement, at least the way I think about it, is supposed to be when you enjoy the fruits of your labor, when you want to, you know, go on trips or you don't want to be pinching pennies and, and worried about how much you can spend. I mean, that's why you worked is to get to that point in your life and then you can kind of reap the rewards of that. I'll agree with that, but I'll also add that, uh, you know, a retiree at 67 is going to spend differently than a retiree at 87. Uh, Totally agree. So you can't just paint everybody with the same brush. Yeah. So what you guys are saying is, is that it's not necessarily about getting to a certain number in your retirement account. It's more about the bigger factor in how much, how long your money is going to last is how much you spend on a year to year basis. Right. Cash Which flow, cash flow is just so, so important. And that can be impacted by where you live. But I'll say anecdotally, at least I'm sure, I'm sure these people do exist, but I've yet to come across a person in practice who had a financial situation that didn't work because they were here but that would hypothetically work if they picked up from here and dropped down in one of these lower cost of living areas like that, that arbitrage that does exist. I'm not saying it doesn't. I don't think that it's been enough ever to move the needle for somebody in practice for me uh, to say, wow, yeah, like 
that solves all the problems. The problem, if the numbers don't work, isn't that you need to pick up and move to Tennessee. It's that you're just spending too much. So like one solution might be changing where you live. However, you know, uh, there are other components of your monthly spend that have nothing to do with whether you're in New Jersey or Tennessee and have everything to do with priorities and, and where the cash is going. So it's, it's only a part of it. And so I just yeah. wanted to chime in with that. It, uh, it, it, again, it's cool to look at the maps here and think about, you know, where some arbitrage may exist, but, uh, yeah. I don't think it's going to solve anybody's retirement crisis if they're, uh, you know, um, not looking like they're in good shape. Yeah. Like it's still going to be you in Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. Like you're still going to be still gonna want, You're still going to want the things that you want now. And so a lot of those fixed costs are going to continue existing unless you make some sort of a lifestyle change, which you might be capable of doing without moving several states across the country. If, uh, you know, if, if that's on the, yeah, obviously if you want to move, then, yeah. then, you know, be my guest, but I don't, I don't think it's a, a solution. Right. Uh, and I think some people view it as that, well, I'll just, I'll just pick up and move somewhere cheaper and then I'll have enough. I don't, I don't know that that's going to be the case. Yeah. I think it really comes down to the individual case by case situation yeah. of uh, you know how you manage your expenses, your cash flow. We spend a lot of time talking to clients about their balance sheet and about their cash flow, and people want to they just want to skip ahead to the next chapter and talk about investments. What stocks are you going to buy? What where are we going to be in the market? How come the market's so high? Like, should we be doing this? Really, let's get a grip on your balance sheet on your cash flow that is so so important and people just want to skip through that step and it's a mistake i think it's sometimes it's even though it is the one stock returns aren't in our control how much we spend is within our control and i know that is you know something that we always talk about where what can we actually control what is outside of our control you should only focus on what's in your control but sometimes people don't want to do that because that's the harder thing to do. It's easier to want to move to Memphis, Tennessee, or it's easier to, you know, lever up your stock portfolio and, and try and out earn bad habits. But that is at best, it's kicking the can. It's not, yeah, it's you, not going to work. You're not fixing the problem. You're not fixing the problem. And, and you're not really, like you said, you're just kind of covering up and potentially making it worse. So, so I'll, I'll throw in a bad, rejoinder in the diet world they tell you you can't outrun a bad diet yeah you, you know, like you can't out exercise a, a, a bad diet yeah. you can't outrun a bad diet you also can't outrun out of control expenses yeah. or mm -hmm. poor or poor your, cash flow management your situation might might incrementally improve for a short period of time if you pick up and move to a lower cost of living area and net you know, like, let's say you sell your house, you buy a new one, and you've netted some profit there, like you've boosted the bottom line of what you have to live on. But eventually, you're probably going to be in the same situation that you were just at a somewhat later point, because the expenses, if they continue running the same way that they were, will rear their head again. And um, maybe you buy yourself a few years where things on the surface seem better. But then as the expenses begin compounding, and you settle into the new situation um yeah it's i don't think it's fixing anything it's not as if people in these lower cost of living cities that they have identified it's not as if you go to those cities and there aren't people struggling with expenses that happens in every state yeah. in every country across the world like there's 
there's always going to be people who don't have enough or uh you know are struggling with with costs or things like that to some degree so i don't think that that doesn't fix um the problem yeah. it, it can be part of a solution but it's not uh it's not the silver bullet yeah because nothing is like the diet world it's it's diet and exercise and in the financial world it's cash flow and saving and investing it's both of those things at the same time and you do that and you're probably going to be all right all right that's going to wrap up the maluli asset podcast thanks as always for listening and we hope you got some good takeaways some things to think about if you're approaching retirement or are dreaming of warmer weather down in the carolinas or florida if you have any questions about anything that we discussed as always feel free to get in touch with us here Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast.